Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. If you'll take your note sheet, grab your Bibles, we're going to sprint through a lot of Scripture. Uh, I hope, I think I've listed those there. Uh, there's too many of them to print out, so maybe you can look, uh, look those up uh, a little bit later. As I thought about the, the, the theme of today, how do we win in our personal battle with evil, I was reminded of a, a story I saw in a little book on Christian growth. Uh, it was entitled, How Come It's Taking Me So Long to Get Better? That's a pretty good title and darn good question, I think. Uh, the book's author was a Navy pilot during World War II. And uh, he compares our journey as followers of Jesus. Excuse me for those of you who are not yet Christians, but let me just talk to the Christians here. Uh, those of us who are already Christians, he compares our journey uh, with the, uh, the way that the Marines would capture an island in the South Pacific. Uh, they would they would first establish a beachhead on the island. Uh, they would secure a, a relatively small piece of uh, land, and then from that beachhead, uh, waves of Marines would begin to fan out to take that island. And sometimes it took days, sometimes it took weeks, sometimes it took months, long, long time. But once the once the beachhead was established. Uh, there was there was progress that would take place. Now, the, the parallel to you and me as followers of Jesus in our own battle with with evil uh, in our own hearts and lives is this: how we win is this way. The moment that you came to faith in Christ, and those of you who are not yet followers of Christ, should you commit your life to Christ? The moment that you come to faith in the Lord Jesus, God establishes a beachhead in your heart, in your soul. Uh, he, he takes up residence by His Holy Spirit into our lives, and He gives us all of the promises of the Word of God, all of the promises in the Bible to you and me. But the process of winning ultimately is just that. It's a process. It doesn't all take place uh, at that very, very moment. Uh, sometimes it, it um, takes long, a long time. We have some sudden wins. Uh, we have some spiritual successes. But, but often this, this winning over sin and evil in, uh, in our own lives comes step by step in kind of a painstaking uh, process. But God does work to overcome the evil in our own hearts and lives. He does it one day at a time. Now, do you ever feel that way? Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? I do. Uh, there are many ways that you and I face evil in our lives, seeking to, to cause us to be and do evil things. Uh, and uh, there are three big ones. You ready? Here they are. We're going to deal with them today. Sin, trials, and temptations. Sins, trials, and temptations. We're going to see what God's Word has to say about how we can overcome sin in our own lives, uh, how we can live through victoriously through trials in our lives, and how we can win over temptation. And so um, let's jump in. Now, you can win your own personal battle in these areas uh, by, uh, if you'll remember three words, they are repent, 
rejoice, and reject. Say it with me. Repent, rejoice, and reject. You can win over sin. You can win over evil in your life on a daily basis if you will repent of sin, rejoice in trials, and reject temptation. Now let's unpack those just just a little bit. The first uh, and most prominent evil that you and I face each day is is sin. It's our own sin, our own choice to disobey God. Now, Jesus said it this way in John 8, 8, 34. He said, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, that's a, think of that phrase, slave to sin there. It's uh, quite a blunt and powerful uh, phrase. The truth is, the Bible says that sin has the power to enslave us to control us, uh, to the pride, to the passions and the possessions that Pastor John Warnock unpacked for us and talked to us about this past weekend. Uh, Even as followers of Jesus, some of you know uh, that a sin that you right now that you have allowed into your life is slowly taking more and more control. Is that right? I mean, you know it is. You allowed it. You chose it. Uh, and, it, it, and it's slowly taking more and more control of your life. You, tell, you know, you tell yourself and we tell ourselves, I can stop this at any time, but it's amazing that we don't. We don't stop at any time. The truth is uh, we find ourselves spending more and more time thinking about it and more and more time and effort and energy trying to hide it from God and the people around us, right? Does that sound familiar? It should. It's the common human experience. I experienced that. You've experienced that. Uh, The great illustration uh, today in our culture is uh, pornography, visiting porn sites on your computer. Uh, Surveys, here's just some quick bad news. You ready? Uh, Recent surveys show that at least 70% of men and 21% of women struggle with online pornography. Uh, The largest group of viewers of porn is children between the ages of 12 and 17 on their own family computer. In August of 2006, we we could update this, but I just found this one this week. One survey reported 50% of all Christian men and 20% of all Christian women are addicted to pornography. It is incredibly addictive. Uh, So is that describing you? I mean, in a crowd this size, it's highly likely it's describing many of us. So let's just deal with it. I mean, let's just, let's take it on. And um, how do we win over this? Has has it enslaved you? It's just one of the things that's enslaving many, many people, even in the family of God today. So how do we, how do we get out of that? How do we break the bonds of slavery to pornography and powerful, sinful habits just like it? Well, here's, here's the action item. One word, write it down. Ready? Repent. We decide to repent. That's God's instruction to you and me. We decide to repent. You know, repentance is something that it's not that God kind of moves over us and we just kind of without any control, we are set free, we turn away. No, no, no. We actually have been given by God and his spirit in us and his grace, the ability to decide to repent. It is, it's not an emotional experience. Emotions come with it. It is a, it is a transaction 
in our will, in our heart, in our spirit. The, the only way to be set free is to decide to uh, repent. Now, the, the literal translation and definition of the term repent means this, to change direction, to turn around, to change your mind, to change direction. Listen to this, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. I think I've got that one on the screen. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, listen to this one. Repent then, and then here's what happens. Repent then and turn to God. Now, He's being redundant there. To repent is to turn to God, to turn away from slavery to sin, and turn to God. Repent then and turn to God so that what? So that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So you could say it this way. Repentance equals refreshment. Uh, Repentance results in refreshment. Knowing, knowing, and I've discovered that knowing that we will be refreshed by God, by our repentance, doesn't make it any easier to repent, evidently. I mean, I know that I'm a person uh, who commits sins against God and others, but I still struggle to admit that I do it. We just struggle to admit that we do it. We all know, we all know that we do it. We all know that we sin. We all know that we sin against God and other people. It's just don't want to say it out loud. Uh, it's, it's pretty tough to stand before God and everybody else and say, guilty. Some of you heard me tell the story years ago. Um, I was late for an appointment. I'm always thinking I can get more done in the amount of time I have, and so I tend, I'll tend to run late. It's a character flaw of mine uh, here, too optimistic. And so I'm zipping up Robinson Road and uh, breaking the speed limit, and uh, a police officer pulls me over and uh, comes up to my car, and he's a member of the church. He just grinned. He said, you know, he said, oh, well. And I said, yeah, I'm guilty is charged, running late. And so then, because I'm always thinking i got, you know, more important things to do, I passed the deadline to pay the fine. So, you know, guess what you get to do then? Yeah, you get to go to court. Everybody should do that at least once, especially when you're guilty. And so here we are, and I thought, wow, there's a bunch of other sinners in here. I mean, the place was jammed with people. And I, I didn't, but, I, but when it was my turn to step, there's a microphone right up in front of the judge and, and this big open space, and you have to just kind of walk out in this big, oh, you can't hide in the crowd, buddy. You got to walk right out there in front of God and everybody. And the, and the judge asks you, um, what's your status? And you have to lean into the microphone and say it. Guilty. Why why, why is that so hard for us? But it is. It's hard for us to admit that we are uh, guilty. We have an inner reluctance to repent, our human pride. How many of you are parents here? Parents. Quick, 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 quick. You ever see that in your kids? I mean, they're caught red-handed. You give them the opportunity to say what's going on. Can they get it out? No. 
No, no, it's really difficult. Now, God sees the same kind of disobedience in you and me as His children. We blame others, we excuse our sin, we pretend it's not a problem, anything but repent. And all the time, God is promising from heaven, if you'll only turn around, if you'll only change direction, I can refresh and will refresh your life in, in ways greater than you can imagine. You win your personal battle with evil and sin by deciding to what? Okay, these, they don't want to say it. You've got to say it too. One, two, three. By what? Repent. You repent. You change direction. But that's not all. There's a second type of evil we encounter almost on a daily basis, and it's this. Write down the word trials. Trials. We face evil because we live in a fallen world. Now, that's a theological uh, phrase that basically means that, that the culture, the world in which we live, was affected adversely by the sin of Adam and Eve. When human sin entered the world, uh, it made things not work just right. And therefore, there is, there's pain and there's suffering and there's difficulty. The world just doesn't work right. And we encounter trials, suffering, difficulty uh, because we live in a fallen world. Now, sometimes we bring these painful circumstances upon ourselves, right? I mean, let's admit that. Uh, Our own stupidity, our own ignorance, our own foolishness, our own sinfulness, many times we bring our uh, difficulties and trials on ourselves, but many times we don't. They are an inevitable part of living in a fallen world. Listen, listen to C.S. Lewis. He said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now the truth is God grows us through our problems. God grow, That's the fast track. That's the fast track. That's the shortcut to spiritual maturity and transformation is actually hanging on to God in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trial, in the midst of uh, pressure. And we, you know, we can't be reminded of this too much. We cannot be reminded of this too much. We need to remember uh, that God works in our lives, not in spite of, but even through our suffering. That's what Romans 8.28 means. God works all things together for, for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. If you're a child of God, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, He will not waste any pain and difficulty in your life. He defines good as anything that makes you more like Jesus. And sometimes the things that make us more like Jesus are very, very difficult. Very difficult. Uh, so you might say, well, Pastor... So how do, I, how do I win, how do I benefit from the trials that I face on a daily basis? Okay, it's another decision. Ready? Write down this. We decide to rejoice. That's it. We decide to rejoice. And again, it's a decision. And if you're a follower of Jesus, His Spirit dwells in you, and by His Spirit and His amazing grace, He has given you the ability to decide to rejoice in suffering, to decide to rejoice in pain, to decide to rejoice in, uh, in great difficulty. Look at this. Matthew 5, 12 says, 
it this way. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Those are the words of Jesus. And in Romans chapter 5, we find these words. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because why? We know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, this is, this is the, the promise and the reality for the believer in Jesus Christ. Now, we don't have to rejoice over the trials, but we rejoice in them. And so what does that look like? Well, it's, we're very honest. God, this is very painful. This hurts. I wouldn't vote for this. I wouldn't choose this, but I'm in it. And I want to thank you that this will not be wasted on me, that you are at work even in my suffering for my good. That's the prayer. And you just name it. You, you say, this is hard. It's wind sprints. It's two-a-days. But you're going to use it for my good. And we rejoice because God is that powerful uh, in our lives. You win over your personal battle with evil by rejoicing in trials. Now, that's not all. There's sin, our own sin. There are trials that we suffer in this world, in this fallen world. There's a third evil that we face, and here's the big one. It is temptation. Temptation. We face evil because Satan tempts us to do wrong. He tempts us to do wrong. Listen, uh, let me read a, a, a paragraph from uh, Bruce Wilkinson's little book uh, entitled Personal Holiness in Times of Temptation. Listen to what Wilkinson wrote. He said, you and I are tempted when something takes place. If it didn't take place, you couldn't enter into temptation. Each is tempted, the Bible says, when he is drawn away. Now, the words drawn away are borrowed from the fishing and hunting context in which an unexpecting fish is slowly drawn out of its original retreat under a bank or in a hole, or when an animal is tracked into an area in which traps are set. The picture is that of a person being distracted with something that draws their attention away from what is currently, it is currently focused on. Consider how this happens. A noise. Someone walks past you. A telephone call. A distracting thought that seems to come from nowhere. A letter. A person who cuts right in front of you en route to the office. A unique smell which instantly brings you back to old memories of previous sins. Your neighbor puts in a beautiful new pool next to your ugly backyard. The cashier mistakenly gives you $20 too much change. Someone shares a tasty piece of gossip. The married co-worker in the next office starts dropping hints about what could happen on the upcoming business trip. Skillful temptation warriors learn how to discern almost instantly when they are being drawn away and instantly draw back. Instantly draw back. Say, so pastor, how do I win over temptation? Here's another decision you have the ability to do. If you're a follower of Jesus and the Spirit of God dwells in you, you decide to reject it. You reject it outright. Out 
Right. In Luke 2, uh, 22, verse 46, Jesus said this, Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Do something about it. Now, in Luke 4, verses 1 through 13, we find the account of the Lord Jesus himself being tempted to sin by Satan. And he was tempted three different ways, three different times. And he modeled for you and me what to do when we are tempted. And what did Jesus do? He rejected it outright. He didn't ponder it. He didn't debate with the, with the evil one. He didn't try to think it through. And he rejected it immediately. He rejected it outright. Now, it's interesting that the Bible doesn't tell us to debate with temptation, not so much even to resist it, but to reject it outright. Don't ever let yourself get into a tug-of-war with your temptations because it tugs back and it wins when you decide to debate and ponder. We reject it outright, outright. Now, there are four truths that you and I need to remember from the Bible about temptation. You ready? This is important, so jot these down. Here's the first one. Number one, temptation will always be a part of our lives on this earth. We are, we are not delivered from the presence of evil in this earth. One day we will be when we step into glory with God. But So temptation will always be a part of our lives. I mean, Jesus was perfect and he was tempted. He was God and he was tempted. Second, second it is not a sin to be tempted. It's a sin to give in. I mean, you cannot keep from being tempted, but you can decide not to say yes to the temptation to sin. Martin Luther, the great reformer of the church, said it this way. Take a look at this quote. I think we've got him. Do we not? Yeah, here he is. You can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. Uh, Jesus, again, was tempted, but he never sinned. Hebrews 4, 5 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Now, here's how Satan tries to tempt you. Ready? This is how it goes. This is how it goes. You face temptation, and then the evil one tells you that you're unholy because you've been tempted. And he causes you to feel guilty. And then he says something like this. You already feel guilty. You already got credit for it. You might as well go ahead. Ever had that? Ever had that thought? I've even had again Satan show up in bodily form and say that through somebody else's lips. We already got credit for it. Might as well go ahead, like it's a, like you're being, you know, like it's a something you're going to miss out on. That's the way it uh, works. Uh, pastor Erwin Lutzer, who's pastor of uh, Moody Memorial Church in Chicago, says this: Temptation is not a sin; it is a call to battle. So it. it Third thing about temptation. Ready? Here we go. It's this one. We all face the same temptations. We all face the same temptations. Sin may come in a lot of different packages, but there are only three flavors. It's the same three flavors. Pleasure, possessions, and power. That's it. It's the only three flavors of temptation. Pleasure, possessions, and powers. There's something about our human nature that makes us want to think that nobody's experienced the temptations like we have. Hey, come on. You're just not that creative. You are not that creative. Don't flatter yourself. When it comes to temptation, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. We're facing the same temptations that people faced thousands of years ago. I mean, like this, for example. Folks used to covet 
their neighbor's horse. Now they covet their neighbor's Porsche. It's the same temptation. It's the possessions. It is the exact same uh, temptation. But fourth, here's good. Now, if you're a Christian, now, if you're not a Christian, you're in trouble. You're a slave. You have no power over sin and temptation. But if you're a Christian, here's the fourth thing. There is always an escape. There's always an escape. Listen to this. This is the key passage. Write it down. Memorize it. It's a promise. Thank God for it. Internalize it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You say, always? Always. Always. It's always there. If we are Christians, we can take the phrase, quote, I just couldn't help myself, end quote, out of our vocabulary. It's not true. Because He has given us a way to escape and the power of the Holy Spirit to take it. He always has. And He always, He always uh, will. Now, let's apply this. Let's get really practical about it now. Um. Maybe you've looked for God's way out and you couldn't find it. Well, let me tell you, He doesn't hide it. He's given us instructions already in His Word what the way out is. Uh, And and usually, these that I'm going to give you will cover it. Will cover any of the big three. Pleasure, possessions, and power. You ready? Here we go. Uh, The way that the Bible says out of our immoral, our temptation to immoral passion... Whether that's, you know, lust is defined as a, um, a disproportionate desire, even for good things. If it's disproportionate, it's called lust. Uh, let's, so immoral passion, whether it's for food or sex or sleep, you, you know, pick your immoral passion uh, of choice. But the Bible says uh, our action is this one. It's one word. Write it down. Ready? You ready? Run. Run. God said, run. Don't think about it. Don't ponder it. Don't debate with it. Run. I mean, it's like Joseph. Remember Joseph captured into slavery, sold into slavery, gets bought by a government official named Potiphar in Egypt and puts him over his household. And while he's there, you know, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce David. Uh, What'd he do? Here I am. He ran. Now, again, I've pondered that story a little bit, and I wondered, maybe we give Joseph a a little more credit than he should. You know, she might have been, like, really ugly. (laughs) But anyway, what he he ran. He ran, ran, ran. You run. Uh, It's, it's, uh, you know, when when you, you, if if you're a glutton, and you're riding up to Southern Regional Hospital, what am I going to talk about? Yeah, you just named it. See all those people that just named that? They don't, if the hot light's on at Krispy Kreme, speed up. <laughs> Run the red light. Get out of there. You know, it, it's, uh, it's like, again, how many, when your kids watch that old silly show on Saturday nights, Hee Haw? Anybody see that? 
You know, I've told you this before. Remember Archie Campbell did the same skit for about 400 years. He's the country doctor, and this big guy runs in holding his arm and says, Doctor, doctor, I broke my arm in three places. What'd he say? Well, stay out of them places. <laughs> yeah. It, you, it, 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 God says, this is not rocket science. Run. Run. So there's the escape. Ready? You, you run. Now, uh, what's our action? I mean, he says it right here in 2 Timothy 2, 22. Flee evil desires. You flee. You run. Now, the way out of materialism, which is the, the worship of our possessions. Our possessions have us. We don't have them. The way out of materialism is marked thanks and giving. Thanks and giving. A thankful heart being thankful to God for what we do have, and practicing the habit of giving of our financial uh, income and offerings to God are His way out to break the power of materialism in our lives. The way out of pride, which is kind of the power thing, is mark this, write down the word, serve. You serve. Jesus himself is our example. The number one principle for overcoming evil and temptation is this. Do good. Do good. Listen to this, Romans 12, 21. Do we have that one? Yeah. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You can win your personal battle with evil by repenting, by rejoicing, by rejecting, by repenting of sin, rejoicing in trials, and rejecting temptation. Now, let me just give you some really practical takeaways where they're going to be on the screen and so you know what do we do and now what do I do with this to to work this into my heart and life and get it out of the theoretical and the theological into the actionable well here's the first thing for those of you who are not yet followers of Christ you are slaves to sin your only action is this one become a follower of Jesus did I have those on the screen receive Jesus you become a follower of Jesus uh, until then you don't have the power to consistently win over sin. You will become a slave to sin. The starting place for overcoming evil is to receive Jesus. Turn from your self-centered, self-directed life. Place your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To the best of your understanding, commit control of your life and eternity to Him. Put your trust in Him and what He did when He died on the cross and rose from the dead as sufficient alone to reconcile you to God, to forgive you of your sin, to give you a home in heaven when you die, to give you God's presence and power in your life, to become the kind of person He wants you to become and do the kind of things He wants you to do. That's it. You receive Jesus. Got it? Got it? That's it. Now, uh, for those of you who are followers of Jesus and you have been, uh, you, you feel like I'm just under this weight, I've got an ongoing pattern of disobedience, here's what you do. Take a radical inventory of your life and repent. Here's what I mean by that. Take some time this afternoon or this evening. Arrange it. Arrange it. You won't lapse into this. Arrange the time. Get yourself an hour or two alone. Maybe it's after the kids go to bed tonight. You get alone. You get a a pad and a a pencil and you say, okay, Lord. Lord. Like the psalmist, like we did earlier, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any sinful way in me. Show me, Lord, any ongoing patterns of sin and disobedience. And you begin to list them. Take a radical inventory of your life. For those men men and women in the program, it's step number four. 
That's what it is, where it came from, from the Bible. Step number four. And, so, and then you, you repent. You acknowledge it to God. That's what you do. Uh, for some of you, let's get specific. Some of you are struggling with pornography. And it, it's got you by the throat, and you need help. Well, here's what you do. You get help. You get help with your addiction. Uh, you, can, uh, you can visit. There are a lot of places to go. I recommend that you start by going to this uh, website, triplexchurch.com. Triplexchurch.com. A lot of resources there for uh, folks who are addicted to pornography. That'll help. Uh, here's another thing that you can do. Get really, really practical. Install controls. Install filters. Do not have a computer in your home or in your office that does not have a filter. Now, I know some say, well, but it hinders my search on the web. And I'll baloney. You're a fool not to install filters on your technology because pornography in our culture today is predatory. It is not passive. They are hunting you up to get you in its grip. And so install filters. If you don't, when your, kid, when your kids hit adolescence, you're going to come to me saying, oh, no, I'm my son. and oh. uh, There'll be no pleasure in that. I've already had to. I've had all of those conversations I want to have for the rest of my life. Get them on there. If your spouse won't put them on there, you need to ask them why. You need to ask them why. I mean, come on, guys. This is life and death. We can't not do this. Um, now, to overcome evil, here's a good practical thing. Overcome evil with good by serving in ministry, like maybe with street grace. Jot that down and look them up. Uh, they're one of our ministry partners in Atlanta. We're trying to eliminate the commercial sexual exploitation of children in Atlanta to wipe it out. It's dangerous. It's messy. It's horrible. Uh, but we're the people to do it. Overcome evil with good by serving. And, and for the rest uh, of us to overcome evil, we're not intended to do it alone. We need a group. That's why we have life groups for adults. Get in a group. Join a group. We'll help you do that. Got it? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. Thank you for helping us so practically with our sin, with our trials, with our temptations. God, help us. God, help us. Empower us by your Spirit. Set us free. Make us instruments of your use. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.